great to be here with you. How are you, my friend? I'm having a good Friday. It's good to see you. Welcome back from Dallas. That's right. That's right. I graduated from this leadership academy where I've been doing a 52-week practice-based leadership program uh, at a place called Stegen. And I was really, really excited because at my graduation ceremony last night, I was surprised with eight of my colleagues showing up to support me and sit in the audience while I got my diploma. Oh, wow. What an experience. It's funny. It's like a real graduation. You're a man now. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I love the way we keep learning. And today's topic, wait till you hear it, Ari. All right. So here's the way I'm going to set it up. What can Velveeta, super fans, WWE teach us about growth hacking, product marketing, B2B marketing. And the way I was thinking about this was I was actually reflecting on one of my favorite, favorite uh, stories that comes from LinkedIn. And you know, for those that don't know, uh, LinkedIn's co-founder or founder was Reed Hoffman. And 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 Reed has had, you know, incredible insights around marketing. And one of the things that he figured out while he was building LinkedIn was this idea of get your best customers to do more for you. So in any customer base, there's like a percentage of super fans, a percentage of people who actually would be thrilled to tell you their story, to uh, to invite other friends to the platform. Uh, with LinkedIn in particular, this insight led LinkedIn and the team, Reed Hoffman and team, to actually build out a feature where I could endorse you for skill sets. So you may remember this, like I can go to your profile and I can be like, Ari is an expert at B2B marketing. And I can be like, plus, and then you get a little notification saying, Rajesh endorsed you for B2B marketing. And like, what does that do? That drives you back to the platform. So what percentage of users are actually going to take the time to do that endorsing? Only your best ones who love the platform. And so the story of Velveeta is that same idea of, you know, it's 2013, 2014, uh, Velveeta as a brand had very moderate growth prospects. Many of the, the people who used Velveeta would maybe use it once or twice a year, um, usually like party dip or something like that around Super Bowl. but. When Kraft went and analyzed the customer data and the supermarket scanning data and drove the insights off that data, they realized that 10% of their customers were actually accounting for 40% of their revenue. So that's what I think we should talk about today. Velveeta. Velveeta, superfans. Come back to WWE, I guess. Uh, Amazing. As soon as you said Velveeta, you had me because, well, you know, we've talked about Von Popeil and Pocket Fisherman. I do Velveeta has a little bit of that feel to me. 
I did my research, founded in 1918 in upstate New York. Uh, interesting marketing history where they got into some legal trouble by calling it cheese as opposed to a cheese product where they settled in. So it is a good question. If someone came to you as a marketer and said, I want you to sell a cheese product for me. Already, I'm a little bit intimidated, right? You mean cheese? No, I mean a cheese product. I don't have cheese. But it also makes sense. And when you're describing it, my first connection is to product-led growth, which we've been talking so much about. Because maybe it's just the case that when you lead with your product, there are people who are going to fall in love. And the people who love the product can do so much of the creative imagination and communication and marketing for you. And it really does, I imagine, I don't know the Velveeta story all that well, but I imagine so much of the enthusiasm, it really is about the product and the use of the product in a way that in my own life history, I think about White Castles. You know, do you know the White Castle old commercials? They talk about people who craved and they tell these stories about people who drove across the country because they were craving white castles, right? That is product-led growth. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, and and you know, with Velveeta, you know that that insight of saying, okay, so ten percent of my customers are driving forty percent of the growth. You know, the 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 first thing that Velveeta did was actually say. Well, they must have some affinity to this brand. They, what are the other things that we could sell them? Because they already have propensity towards that brand. And so that led Kraft to actually introduce a cheese product that went into the refrigerated aisle and was like a, a cheese, American cheese that you would put on a burger, giving another opportunity for those you know, fans at, you know, the, at that point in time, the numbers were something like 24 million Velveeta customers, and then 10% of those 2.4 million were the ones that they identified as these, these super fans or super loyal. And, 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 you know, you see the same pattern at WWE where, you know, these super fans drive a very large share of, of, of spend. And we see it in our business as well, right? Where we have, you know, certain marquee, customers who have that deep relationship. But the question here is, how can we activate them and and help them to tell the stories of why they are so passionate, the things they're doing with these brands? I don't know, like, what kind of dip are you making with the Velveeta? Like, you're probably really proud of it. Yeah, it's amazing. Whatever you're making, it must be amazing. The, so. That's the point that catches my imagination because I do a lot of segmentation and every company is going to have a distribution or, that has some level of concentration in their top customers. It's just the nature of the math. So there's nothing remarkable about saying 10% of our customers do X percent of our revenue. And that would be true of IBM and that's true of WPP and Ogilvy. And what we would normally say, having been through this dozens of time with dozens of customers as a consultant, is, oh, then how am I going to diversify? That's a question that comes up that segmentation. 
my revenue base? Or how am I going to cross a lot more into that concentrated unit, which is your cheese in the refrigerator? Example. But the question of how do I activate that group is different and new, and dare I say better? I think that's a more interesting question. I think that's the key to growth hacking here. Like it's activating that group of people and letting them become the advocates for the products, the advocates for the brand. And, and, you know, one, one, so yesterday morning I had breakfast with uh, another friend of mine, who's also a client, uh, my friend Dag. And um, he is the CTO at a company called ISN, super interesting B2B company. And, and recently they put a digital experience into the market um, for contractors. And, and so, you know, if we use that same rule of sort of saying that like 10% of these, this customer base is going to be the 10% are going to be the super fans. Then the idea is, how do we get like perhaps contractors to invite more contractors to the platform, right. right? Like, have we built the tools into the experience that makes it easy to sync your mobile device number and just text your friend like, hey, let's be on here together. Like we can get and grow our businesses together and get jobs together and, and partner together, right? How, how... Is that even a feature that they want? Do they instead want to tell their story about what they're doing in their contract business because they're so proud of it and proud of the way these tools support them? But that idea of like really trying to understand how to go and partner with our best customers to grow together. I got a similar experience this week, or at least going down the same path. One of the senior sales leaders in IBM was asking me, coincidentally, or fate is bringing it all together about testimonials and community building and how effective is that kind of marketing for the kind of technology sales that he's interested in. And in my experience, the answer is it's hugely important, maybe the most important when you think about technology and community building, but it's not what we major on. And we got into a conversation about the upcoming IBM Think of it. So Think is our big annual round the world face-to-face -face event. And of course, we're going to invite our many of our most important clients, and we're going to spend days together. We're going to share. But if you took your Velveeta twist and said, good, you got your best customers there, sell them more, right? inspire them more, build deeper relationships, all the traditional things you would normally do, I think. But what if you twist a little bit and say, and activate them? How would the actual physical event and the experience of that event and the digital surround change once you knew that the goal maybe even the primary goal, maybe even more than pipeline generation. What if it were activate? And we talked about simple things. Actually, I should throw the question back to you to see if you have any great ideas, but we were just having fun with the idea of imagine a photo booth kind of space within an event like this, where you could go in and tell your story. Now, your story happens to be built on IBM technology, but aren't you proud to go share that in the world? And you could imagine a little photo booth with just a story sharing space. A little idea like that, that we're kicking around, could become at scale transformational to the most traditional 
face-to-face event reimagined as an activation experience. Yeah, I love that. And look, I think a couple of other kind of thoughts come to mind there, which is like, you know, I love the idea of the photo booth and being able to tell your story and 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 talking and telling stories is such a natural medium. I think the other thing that might be, you know, creating space and a coaching opportunity or a structured creative writing exercise where like perhaps we actually help some of these people to do a piece of thought leadership, right? Like one of the things I've noticed is that, you know, sometimes senior people really want to write about some of the work that they've done, but they just don't have the time, right? Like imagine coming in and getting the proper scaffolding of, of, uh, orchestrated time and, and coaching to help you to like actually start and finish a thought leadership piece, uh, talking about how you're using those products. And in turn, you're turning your best customers into your marketing and, and sales arm. Um, or maybe even think about inviting a friend to attend the event with them, right? Like somebody like that say like, you should come and bring a friend like who's passionate about these things too. And, and might be another way. I'm taking a couple notes. The bring a friend makes sense to me. That's probably closer to some things we do. The idea of be a thought leader. Imagine a space carved out of a, an event or even a digital space where it's a the world's greatest thought leader on this topic that you've dedicated your career to. It can be you. I'm offering you that chance. It's one of the advantages of being a partner or a client of IBM. And I love the idea of the resources and the skills to draw out your best ideas and to put them in this form or format that you're really proud of. By the way, it deepens the relationship. But also if that came with training, say on social media, let's show you how to promote this in LinkedIn. Let's show you how to get this in YouTube. The hero of the experience becomes these advocates. Yeah, I even love the idea of a magazine. But uh, I digress. So I uh, I was also thinking about this idea of, you know, r- reminding oneself of, like, with with WWE or Velveeta or anything else. It's like, it's like sometimes I forget that not all the market is looking, and in B two B particularly, like in B two B, it's like. There's some sort of low number. I'm gonna. I don't know what it is exactly in 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 the IBM business or in the uh, other B2B customers that we serve, but call it sub 10% of customers are actively looking right now. Are actively buying a solution. Sub 10%. I'm sure you know what that number is. But then you have a group that are 40% maybe poised right? Ready to begin. And then maybe you got another 50% that are just not ready yet. They, for whatever reason that is. So, so when we think about like B2B marketing and growth hacking, B2B marketing and learning from like super fans, Velveeta, WWE, the passionate ones, there's also this idea of like saying, okay, well, how are we activating our 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 best customers as as marketeers and salespeople for the group that is 
not just actively looking now, but for that group that is imminently about to start and is in that longer nurture, we call it nurture period, where they want to learn. It makes sense. We say about 5% are active at any given moment. So 95% of your marketing doesn't hit the moment precisely. But you're right, there's surround. Some people are ready to listen, but not buy. Some people, it doesn't even hit their consciousness. But if you went with that model, is there a subset of the product-led growth model that you'd call something like super fan growth? So it still starts with the concept of focused on the product, because that's what we're getting excited about. But the marketing itself, in addition, part of our marketing is go try the product, but part of our marketing activation is hear from our super fans. And on the super fan site, or, or, or on the super fan side, part of our investment to make this really practical, because I think everyone would throw out the idea of, yeah, have a community activate, but what would it really look like if you committed to super fan led growth? And well, how would your media change? And how would your event change? And how would your digital experience change? Probably pretty significantly. And how would your product change? And so, because the idea here is to pioneer the super fan growth, perhaps in a digital experience or in a physical experience or both. But then once we have something, we want to actually build it into the product. And, 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 you know, maybe there's a way to test and build it in the product from the get-go and iterate it there. I don't know. It feels like that's always much more complicated because there's a roadmap of things that are already validated. Um, and so, you know, like trying new things in the product sometimes is hard when you're dealing with the kind of scale that we're talking about. Um, I think when you're uh, starting out as a startup, of course, everything you're doing is iterating in the product. But when you reach a certain maturation, then it's like, okay, we actually have like revenue paying customers that are asking for this set of features and, you know, we've committed. Um, so I think it's like getting some sort of uh, strong data that shows that something here is is working. Um, I don't know. Maybe that maybe or maybe it doesn't need to be, you know, when we think about thought leadership as an example, the idea that now, ah, here we go, Ari. Right. I actually, I actually am thinking about this in a in an old construct. The old construct I'm thinking about is the the product is divorced from the experience. Right. I caught myself there for a second. Right. The product is the experience. The product is the product. The product is the experience. The brand is the experience. So. The product is also attending think and the experience you have there. That is part of um, that new definition of how we're talking about product. Product. Is I love watching you argue with yourself and come to your own realization. <laughs> so if that's right, so the product is the experience. So product-led growth leads with the product because that's the point. I have a great food for you to I don't need to tell you about it. I need you to try it. I have a great car. I don't need to, you to read about it. I need you to drive it. Now, if the product and the experience the one, once you try it, 
some of you become super fans of it. And I want you to share that experience. And sharing the experience is sharing the product. And there's a nice circular logic to that that comes back to the beginning, which is just what you said. The product is the experience. The more people who share the experience, the more people who share the product, the more we build belief and a community. It seems so simple. I like it. I like it a lot. You know, the one thing we haven't touched on here is WWE. Are you a fan? I have let go my fandom in my older age. But when I was 13, I was there at Madison Square Garden for Hulkamania. That's amazing. That I didn't is know that, amazing. Did you? No, I did not know that. Does it does it ever surprise you that like SmackDown and all of this is still like going on strong? Or is that like you're like, of course it is. I I, I wouldn't have thought anything else. It doesn't surprise me, at least in the sense I'm a sports fan more generally. And to be a fanatic, the root of the word, for whatever city you attach yourself to or whatever entertainment you attach yourself to. I may be football and baseball and your basketball and hockey and this person's WWE. I get that there's a human need for that. I never knew it extended to men in tights. I never knew it extended to Velveeta. And yet, we're tapping into something that's really basic. So on that level, it doesn't surprise me. Remember our conversation about your Greek trip and your trip to Rome and saying the Colosseum was a sports arena for the Romans. And 2,000 years later, looks a lot like walking into the USC Trojans or something. Yeah, I I think that one of the nice reminders in this conversation of whether it's, you know, the obvious ones are, of course, Harley Davidson, people who ride Harleys are passionate about Harley. Of course, Jeep people are passionate about Jeep. Of course, you know, Mets fans are Mets fans. Uh, the, the, the thing that this insight around super fans and super users, the, the data says that all brands have super fans all brands and and so a part of it is understanding well why are they our super fans what is it about this that gets them on a practical emotional level and and who are they what do they look like what are their patterns how do they behave um in b2b what kind of titles do they hold in their company what do they see as the value prop for why they're using these products? What do they see as the competitive landscape to the products that we serve? I'm always surprised when I go somewhere and I tell them, you know, I'm with Ogilvy. And they say, people say, oh my gosh, Ogilvy. And, and you probably feel that too, where people are, IBM, all right, IBM. And, 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 and so I would encourage anyone listening to, to remember to, to spend the time in the data, both qualitative and quantitative, to understand uh, the patterns and reasons and insights around why people are engaging with your brand. And then think about, you know, how can you turn your best customers into your 
marketing, into your sales team, into your experience, into your product, um, in whatever way makes sense for what you're trying to achieve. That's a beautiful summary. And you know, most importantly for me listening, the idea that everyone, every company has a super fan. And every company I meet with knows that on some level and spends some time understanding them, largely for the intent of selling them more. But you've added this essential idea that I'm taking back literally this afternoon to say, but what if we activated them? What if that were the goal instead? So I will be back in a few weeks to share with you what that means for IBM. And you'll start seeing some early experiments, I predict. Give us a couple of weeks. Awesome. I love it. Great to connect, Ari, as always. Good to see you. Good conversation. Bye.